tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Welcome back to our podcast, everyone. And you know, the topic of fostering inclusion and bringing diversity is on the forefront of our minds these days. But how could we do that in an unusual way? And in this case, the hero of a children's book. I think it's such an interesting twist that we're going to talk to our guest today, Iolani Bullock. Iolani, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mark. Iolani is the author of a terrific new children's book just released before Christmas called Linux Takes Flight. And it's such an inspiring story. It's a children's picture book. And Iolani, tell us about the inspiration of the story and how Linux taking flight became so personal and meaningful to you and your family. Thanks, Mark. Well, I never intended to be an author. I truly, you know, thought, well, there are so many books out there for kids. There's so many things I can read to him, but it took a trip and us actually going to Thailand as a family for me to see that there was a gap in the marketplace. I couldn't find many books about travel for kids. And those that I found didn't have very diverse characters. They didn't have very interesting storylines or, you know, just having different sort of characters from different backgrounds. And so when I couldn't find the book that I wanted to read with my son, I decided that I should create it. And so Lennox Takes Flight really took flight just out of a need to see different characters in different storylines for children. And your creative process, really, you were one of these people that sometimes, you know, others of us have an idea and we just sit around and we wait for a while. You said, I need this idea. I need this book. I need to start now. (laughs) Tell us about how you kicked off the creative process. So the creative process was really interesting. My first thought for this book was just to create a picture book that rhymed for kids that was easy to read. And so while I was sitting in our hotel in Thailand with my two-month-old when he took naps, I would pull out my phone and just start journaling and writing down ideas and different things. While I was there, I reached out to a program at Georgetown University that helps people of all backgrounds from anywhere write books. And they said, a picture book is great, but we actually don't do that. We need you to completely expand this story, the characters, the storyline, the create a world that's a chapter book. So that, you know, young readers can read it, but it would need to be much more expanded. And I thought, oh, man, this, you know, small seed of an idea I had now needs to be completely blown out of the water. So the first thing I did in terms of my creative process was just think, what are the different characteristics of my son? Because I'm writing about what I know. What is his personality like? Mind you, he was two months old at the time. So (laughs) I really had to dig deep and say all these little things and these little seeds that I see between him and my husband and his personality now I can only imagine what they would be with him as an older child. So that yeah, was you're already fun. creating this constellation of uh, attributes. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> more like a warning for me what to go. look out for. Uh, so that was part of my process. The other part of my process, because the book really takes place, the majority of it in an airport, was thinking back to when I traveled for the first time as a 13-year-old, leaving the country, going to Rome, Italy with my church. And going to the airport for the first time was such a huge deal. There were people with 
so many different languages, backgrounds, clothes. I remember thinking like, what are all the stories of these people? Are they going? Are they coming? They're hugging someone. Are they leaving them or seeing them for the first time? Who are they with? And I went back to that thought and that memory when I created part of the book and specifically a scene where Lennox steps into the, you know, the doors open and he steps into the the terminal and just looks up and is sort of in awe and people are buzzing past him and roller bags are rolling and people are laughing, people are crying, people are running. And that is what I really sort of hooked into when I was thinking about creating this world and this imagination, this imaginative world for the story and for the book. And so from your hotel desk, you know, and your phone journaling, this journey, this, I'm sure, maze of progress of a book, how would you describe that journey? I would describe that journey as, you know, a constant iteration. I would write mainly bullet points that turned into scenes, that turned into chapters, or I would take my phone and I would dictate things as I was driving my kids to daycare. And those, you know, turned into scenes that then I would work with an editor and we would chop them up, move them around, put them in different puzzle pieces. And so every day I might rewrite something two or three times until I really felt in my gut that it was in a good place. And so, you know, it's, it's never done, even though the book is published, I'm like, oh man, I could have done something different here. Um, But that's the fun part of it you know, being so creative and creating something on your own, it can constantly change and shift. And so it's really up to you to determine, are you going to go left, right, up, down, or is it in a circle? And then at that point, do you feel like it's, you know, at the point at which you want to share it with the world? Mm -hmm. And what brought you to the point where you said, okay, this is it. I'm hitting the send button. (laughs) And one day you have to say it's done. Well, other than the deadlines imposed on me by my publisher, uh, (laughs) I would say, you know, it's funny, even though my son Lennox is now three years old, I would actually bounce some of the ideas off of him just at a really high level about airplanes and about, you know, what he sees or the associations that he would make. And so once I would sort of test these associations with him, I knew they were in a good place if, you know, he got it. So for instance, in the book, there are two uh, women in military fatigues online, like, you know, trying to go through TSA and they have these huge backpacks full of things that are sitting on the floor. And Lennox in the book makes the association that they have a lot of homework or a lot of toys in there if they're bringing these bags with them. And I remember sharing that with my son. He said, mama, they must have packed a lot of toys. And I was like, okay, this is a good association. And so just doing those tests, even with a three-year-old, proved to be really a good gut check for me in terms of my creative process and how I was writing. Mm -hmm. And since it was a close family kind of story, you discovered some things about your own family in the research. I did. It's funny. It's one of those things. Does art imitate life or light imitate art? But uh, in the story, I write that Lennox's great grandfather was a Tuskegee airman and his father has the heirloom pilot wings that he sees and it inspires him to go on this journey. And after I wrote that scene and that story into the book, I was on the phone with my mom, just sharing with her my author journey and where I was with the book. And she said, well, you know, that mirrors our own family. 
your great, great grandfather was, was in the 369th regiment, which was one of the all black military regiments out of New York city, also known as the Harlem Hellfighters. And I was floored because I never knew that. And it took me writing this into the book, the storyline of history into the book for me to, to learn that. And I just thought, wow, this is a sign that this is meant to be in this story. Mm -hmm. It is an amazing, I mean, when I read it, I got the chills that you say, I put in the book Tuskegee Airmen. And then my mom tells me, well, actually, your heart must have been pounding. Yeah. And because I thought, you know, growing up, I didn't see these sort of things in my children's books or, and, you know, talked about in school. And so I just thought this was something unique. It's American history. It'd be, it'd be so great for children to understand this and hear about this of all backgrounds, let alone that my own family had that history. And I feel like you can draw so much upon your past when writing things or creating things. They don't have to be exact but when they line up like that, in terms of the universe, it is uh, certainly uh, the constellations really aligning and connecting all the dots for you. Well, and you've talked about uh, the ripple effect or the potential impact of a story like this on our DEI conversation these days, you know, looking for greater representation. How, how could a little children's storybook, you know, and some cute pictures have a bigger impact? What are your thoughts? I think that children, they really are amazing. They have so much humanity in them. They see things for what they are more so than adults at many times. And so the more that we can normalize difference for them, I think the better off our world will be. I noticed that, you know, as adults, if we don't know something, sometimes we think, and we may not express it this way, but it's unknown, it's foreign, maybe, you know, we shouldn't think about that or we shouldn't lean into it. Where kids are just curious. It's not bad, it's just different. And so the more I dug into the story and started writing it, the more I really wanted this concept to come about. And so for any child to see an African-American boy as a traveler helps them expand their perspective. So a traveler can be anyone. It can look like them. It can look like their friend or a family member uh, to see different characters in the book. I have a blind woman and her guide dog that are actually an integral part of the story. Just giving, having them take up space in a story for children allows them to understand that people are different from them and that's okay. And one part of the book, Lennox's little sister asks the blind woman or they talk to her and they are trying to understand like what it means that she's blind. And the only thing Lennox knows is that his mom's favorite musician is Stevie Wonder and Stevie mm -hmm. Wonder is blind. And so for me, that sort of showed, well, if I see a blind person in a book and I know that they are a musician, blind people can play music too. Or if I see them in an airport, they can travel too. So really just putting different characters in a story and embedding them helps to normalize that for children. And so when they see someone out in the world, it's not as scary or as different or as you know not normal. It's just someone else that they see and maybe they read about them. And that is just so helpful to understand at a really young age. Mm -hmm. And you're also making me wonder about the value of travel, you know, and getting out of our own zip code every now and then to appreciate 
uh, other lifestyles, other cultures, etc. That is one of the things uh, I learned when I left the country for the first time. I'm from the Bronx. So, you know, I only knew my, my borough. My mom never let me go to Brooklyn. You know, I really just sort of <laughs> stayed where I was. And I found that travel was an education I couldn't get in the classroom. I learned so much just getting outside of my comfort zone and meeting other people. And I think for children, that's so important, even if they're just going to a different part of their state where maybe they make different food or they have different customs. Those things are huge and help expand their perspective of what's possible, of what they like, of what interests them. And uh, one thing I love to do is learn about culture through food. And so when I travel, I take cooking classes in different places I go to. But when I'm home, I try to either order in food from different cultures or have Lennox cook something with me with a different flavor, just so he starts to smell it and hear it and taste it and you know think about it differently. Because that... I've, I've noticed now just taking that trip to Thailand, he's open to trying different things, much more so than my daughter who was born during the pandemic and couldn't go anywhere. Uh, but that difference is so huge and, and incredibly apparent to me as a parent. So I, I really think that, you know, exposing children to different things and pointing out the difference you know, not glossing over it, not trying to hide it, but saying, this is different. That's cool. Or let's ask about it. Let's learn about it. Why is it different? That should be part of, you know, I hope it's part of our normal conversation. Yes, indeed. Well, on our podcast, we focus on the creative side of life, but you also have a corporate life too. <laughs> and I think before the audience thinks that, well, isn't this nice? She gets to travel, write children's books and take cooking classes. Then that's all she does. You're also a vice president of diversity, equity, and inclusion at a global investment firm. And people would wonder then, how do you, one, access the other side of your brain <laughs> to write a children's book, but also find the time to really nurture your own creative focus? That's a great question. I, it's funny, I feel like my work lends itself to this book in so many ways, just having to think about, you know, diversity and what that means in all different contexts, uh, but also being able to, you know, really think about it in a different way and then apply it in a different way. So I'm applying my love of and passion for inclusion in a creative way. And typically, when do I do that? When my kids go to bed around eight o'clock. So, you know, I am a diversity, equity and inclusion professional by day and a novelist by night. Definitely. <laughs> yes. But I also find that you know, now being able to work from home, you have a bit more flexibility for people that, you know, are able to do so. And so I'm able to tap into creativity during the day that I can't necessarily do in the four walls of an office. Uh, and so I've taken full advantage of that and have been just amazed by the different things you can watch, have playing in the background, listening to that can just spark something. And then I'm running to my phone to take a quick note or jotting something down or, you know, dictating it in an app where I can do so. But it's been um, hard to balance the two, certainly, but they've really helped me to create balance for myself. I am actually a, a ballet dancer by training and I've always had a creative aspect to my life. And so writing this book came at the perfect time while we were stuck 
at home in the middle of the pandemic to be able to exercise both my left and my right brain. And I hope that everyone is able to do that because you really need that balance in order to thrive as a person. And were you able to create any sort of or or create a trick or two environmental wise, like here's where I'm going to work and here's where I'm going to write or here's a time of day or I'll do this in this coffee shop, but I'll work at, you know, behind the Zoom camera. You know, how how were you able to create some habits and some segments of uh, work life? One trick that I did uh, early on was to look at my work calendar and see which meetings do not have to be on Zoom. And so I would email the person, especially if they were recurring every week and say, would you mind if we took this as a call so that I could go for a walk while I was listening to a call or talking to this person and that just being outside in the sun, being, getting some fresh air was really helpful. And then just incorporating more walks, even if they were 10 or 15 minutes into my day helped me to clear my head of, you know, the meeting I was in or what was happening and to be able to just have the space to think. Cause I think that is one of the, the hardest things we're bombarded by social media and all these things all the time, just creating the brain space to think and to be creative, if you will, uh, was something that I had to carve out and literally put on my calendar. So that's how I did it. Uh, also driving to and from daycare <laughs> was something that I like to do to test the idea, bounce the ideas off of Lennox on the way there. And then, you know, get the creative juices flowing and uh, speak them into this app that I had on my phone on the way home. I love that. See, we find all the creative tricks. And that's why sometimes I need to ask because it's like, if everybody is imagining, well, on one Saturday morning, I wrote this whole book. It's like, that's not usually what happens, right? I remember talking to a guest who one of his colleagues wrote a book like during smoke breaks, you know, out by the dumpster behind the restaurant. You know, we all have to find our, our space. I love that. Find it wherever you can. Yeah, exactly. Well, so great talking to you. Uh, listeners, my guest has been Ayalani Bullock. She's the author of a terrific children's book called Lennox Takes Flight. And it's an inclusion and representation story wrapped in a beautiful story for kids. Well, Ayalani, folks are going to want to connect with you, learn more about your work, and of course, find the book. Where can we find you? You can find me at lennoxtakesflight.com and that's Lennox just with one N. On my website, you can figure out, you know, where to find the book, which is available where all books are sold online. But also there are some fun resources for kids and for educators to help teach the book and to just get some coloring pages and other fun things on the website for free. Well, wonderful. As we close, I was curious, you know, getting the book and getting it in print and there's almost a sigh of relief. But now the real work has begun. How has that been for you as you're saying, okay, now I got to get the work literally out into the world? Mark, I have become a marketer, a web technician, (laughs) (laughs) PR agent, all the things. Being an independent author is certainly a lot of work. And the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. And so creating a community around my book was huge as I was writing it, my what I call my author community, but also just connecting with other authors, bouncing ideas off of them, finding groups on Facebook of other creatives and getting ideas from them has been incredibly helpful because I'm a new author, but there are people that have been doing this forever. And so learning from them has been incredibly, incredibly crucial to my, my process. Well, all the best and continued success. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. 
And listeners, come back again for our next episode. Alani's been talking about how travel gets us out of our own you know, circle, our own bubbles, and meet new people and meet new ways of life. And that's why we want to take our traveling microphone all over the world to talk to creative practitioners. We want to find out how they get inspired and how they organize their ideas. But most of all, as we've been talking about, how you gain the confidence and make the connections to launch the work out into the world. And that's what our podcast is all about. So I hope you'll come back again soon and we'll continue unlocking your world of creativity. I'm Mark Stenson. See you next time. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and ThePeaceRoom.Love. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get the book, A World of Creativity, for a special price of $5.98 for paperback. And the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer.